to another episode of the Far Post podcast. My name is Marissa Lordanik and I like my tubers in my podcast intros and nowhere near my W League broadcast, but that's just me. Um, we're back for another week of women's football chat. We've got plenty to crack into, so luckily I have my three best gal pals along with me to chat football. So we've got Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington and Angela Christian Wilkes. So if you're new here, we'd like to start things off with a, a dose of positivity with our segment called You Love to See It. So let's kick it off with some You Love to See It. Angela, what did you love to see this week? I love to see, and I know I wasn't the only one, um, Heyman's two goals in the game, um, Canberra against Western Sydney. Both were um, I think with Heyman, it's sort of like it, it never rains, it pours sort of scenario. And for a little bit there, we thought that maybe she had a hat trick. Turns out it was an own goal. But the first two were just, I mean, brilliant in their own right. First one was like an individual effort from far. She just hit it perfectly and it sailed in and it was so powerful as well. Um, I don't think I'm used to sort of seeing her score in that sort of way. So that was great to see. And then the second one was um, – a collab with Nikki Flannery, beautiful um, cross, well, square ball across from Nikki Flannery and she found the run between the two defenders and just popped it in. It's just superb, magical. Heyman Watch was all over it and Marissa made a really excellent meme to match. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Also, it means that Heyman is currently on 69 goals, one goal behind Sam Kerr's um goal scoring lead for the W League. So yeah, nice. Hehe. <laughs> nice. You love to see it. I'm glad you said nice, otherwise I was going to. Anna, what did you love to see this week? Rita, I love to see Sam Kerr doing the thing again. Um she can't stop scoring in England now. Got that, haters. Um but start off against Aston Villa, she scored this ripping left footed volley. And then she backed that up by putting this really wonderful assist for Beth England. Um, it's a bit of an underrated part of her game, and I think it's also improved since she's been at Chelsea. She's uh, just put it in beautifully for uh, England to head home. And then she backed it up by scoring against Tottenham. Um, she just puts on the afterburners on the break. Uh, not great defending from Tottenham, but pretty hard to counteract her speed. She gets all the way to the back post and manages to get herself basically unmarked. Peniel Harder has all the time in the world to put in this cross and now Sammy just buries it. So yeah, she's absolutely flying Sam Kerr for Chelsea despite this disrupted FAWSL season and put it simply, you'll have to see it. We sure do. And Sam, what did you love to see this weekend? So it's a hat trick of goal scorers for you love to see it this week. My you love to see it goes to Remy Sampson from Sydney FC who after nine games, which is a long time in W League years, sort of like dog years, nine games without scoring a goal. She finally got on the score sheet against Newcastle Jets this past weekend. It was uh, Sydney's second, sort of wrapped up the win for them, the three points. Um, but the thing that I really loved to see was that she scored at home, her home of Manly, Cromer Park, where she has played for Manly United since she was young. She was in front of family and friends. There was almost a, a full house of fans there as well, which I really loved to see. Almost 1,300 people turned out despite COVID restrictions and she was able to score a pretty cracking goal, which was really sort of a, 
uh, just reward for her perseverance, I think, and her tenacity as a, as a young striker, despite being sort of in this a bit of a lull. Um, and she was able to do it in front of all these people that, that love her and, and adore her. So, yeah, Remy Seamson hopefully opening the floodgates for herself and for Sydney FC. You love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. I, this week, have two you love to see it, but I'll keep them really quick. I love to see Amy Harrison get on the score sheet for PSV in the Eredivisie Women's Cup. Uh, PSV won 6-1. So we try to keep across all the Aussies abroad, but it's a little bit difficult. So we did catch that one, and it's always good to see our Tillies scoring abroad. Um, and then my other you love to see it this week was the goal from Yana Daniels for Bristol in their first win of the FAWSL season. She receives the ball from midfield. She's well out of the box and just unleashes this absolutely beautiful shot. It sneaks in under the crossbar. And, of course, it was the the start of uh, Bristol's three goals to earn them their first win of the season. So you absolutely love to see it. And we'll stick with Bristol just quickly to kick off FAWSL chat. As I said, they've earned their first win of the season under Matt Beard, their interim coach. If this is the uh, beginning of a a little Bristol resurgence, they're going to have to do it without Chloe Legazzo. It was announced uh, late last week that she is moving to Kansas City in the NWSL. She's going to be heading over soon. She's just waiting for a visa. We'll have to do a little bit of um, quarantine time, but then should be cracking into pre-season very, very shortly. Um, we had a question from Kieran asking our opinions on this move. So I'll let you all have your say, but Harry, what are you making of this move for Chloe? It's an interesting one. I thought it was interesting her signing for Bristol in the first place, given she'd come off like that really good performance at the World Cup, a really strong World Cup. Um, it was interesting her signing for Bristol in those couple of years in the first place, and it's hard to really judge her time there because it's been so difficult. Um, yeah, it, it. I thought she might want to stick around Europe for a bit longer and maybe try her hand somewhere else. Um, she obviously likes the look of the project that Kansas City have got going on there because I think when she was at Washington, it was quite a difficult time on the field for her. I'm not sure whether the US League necessarily suited her there at that time. I mean, I think she's got all the qualities and attributes to do really well over there. She's such a hard runner, hard worker, um, really strong presser, does all the defensive work, um, really gets stuck in, is physical, um, great in transition, such a good runner um, that she should actually do really well there. So maybe the change of scenery will help. Um, We know she also has an American partner, um, which, you know, I don't think you can discount these sorts of things when you're making decisions. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think I would have liked to have seen how she could have gone elsewhere in Europe. Um, But... Yeah, obviously she's she's comfortable with the decision and, yeah, I, I think I'll more just be interested to see how it plays out rather than, I guess, have a strong opinion on the move itself. And as we were just talking about as well, like Bristol are still in the relegation zone. If you're a player playing for a club that is in that sort of a conversation and has been in that conversation for a while, I, I you know, I, I don't really blame her for wanting to look elsewhere. And she's familiar with the US League. She's played there before. She'll probably be playing with a bunch of players that she's familiar with as well. Um, Kansas City are looking really interesting. You know, the NWSL is doing some really great stuff in terms of expansion, in terms of sort of taking the whole league to the next level. And 
sort of expected, I think, that it's going to be the next fully pro women's league in the world as well. So if Lugazo can sort of get her foot in the door there and be start like part of a, uh, a sort of a building project at a, a new club like Kansas City, then, yeah, I mean, why not? Just to bounce off that, um, a couple of weeks ago, Sam and I were on Tony Gustafsson's first press conference since he took the reins, and he actually did get asked about, and at the time it was more in the context, I guess, of, um, you know, what leagues in Europe uh, Matildas play for and that sort of thing and where they should be playing. And it basically said that, our players get aspects get sorry our players get exposure to different leagues and the different aspects of those leagues and only I'll actually quote him here he said only the player will know whether they thrive in that environment and get or, and get better or whether they need to move on and get a new challenge whether that's in the W league or whether that's in Europe or over in the US or another league or another club but so he's very much said that he wants his players to go and play where suits them and what works for them and I think that's something we've seen with the US women's national team where players some have really thrived by having stints over in Europe and others have just found their best form by being in the US and staying in the NWSL. And I th- I'll be interested to see if this is a theme that continues throughout his tenure because clearly, you know, Chloe Lagarde is a smart player and will want to play somewhere where she thinks she can hit her best form and enjoy her football, obviously. Um so I wonder if that comes into it as well, um, just being told to back yourself and play where you think you can play every week, play well, make an impact. And, you know, at the end of the day, they've got to be happy too because happy players tend to be informed players. And we've seen that with the likes of an Emily Van Egmond hitting her straps when she seems happy off the field and when she was at Melbourne City, for example, and Sam Kerr is clearly happy at Chelsea now and is scoring goals for fun. So... Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of wait and see, but hopefully she can reap the benefits of being somewhere where she's got a long-term contract and feels secure and really wants to make her mark on the league. Uh, what I'm sort of interested to see as well is whether this will trigger other um, Aussies heading back to the NWSL or seeing that as a more feasible option. Um, and in a way, I think it's, yeah, um, quite brave of her to sort of be the the guinea pig for that retry of um, Australians heading over there and, and yeah, um, playing their trade in the NWSL. So um, I think that might have a run-on effect potentially. Um, maybe not if the players, you know, as you said, a lot of the players in the FAWSL are having a nice time and maybe Chloe just wasn't. But, yeah. I think the other thing is like we have – talked a lot about the the exodus to Europe. So if there's any kind of like trepidation about players going back to the US and then that somehow being like a regression or a step backwards or like, oh, but why would they go there? Aren't, isn't everyone meant to be going to Europe? Like the NWSL is still a great league. They're, you know, Roni pending. They're going to have like a 24-game season mm. plus finals plus Challenge Cup before that. So, like, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of game time and it's a lot of good teams. You know, the the US system and the US players are good. So I think it is it's going to be interesting to see how it challenges her and how she copes with returning to the NWSL. But it's it's definitely one that we'll, we'll keep an eye on and we'll probably discuss further. And also to bounce off that, Um, mentioned it's a long deal and I imagine it'd be a relatively lucrative deal. Um, There was a transfer fee involved. With a season that long with those extra tournaments, I reckon this is also a step that will help the NWSL get players back because 
Uh, top Matildas don't need to do the double season to get paid anymore. And if you've got a decent length season in the US with those additional cups, all of a sudden that becomes a more appealing prospect to just play in the US, which is what some of the US women's national team players do and do with great success. Um, so I think that might be a factor as well. Like the NWSL's had to step up in terms of things like pay and, you know, being able to just compete to keep players there given so many of their own great players have headed over to Europe. So maybe players like Lagaza and we might see others follow will go, well, forget just playing in Europe for one team. Maybe we'll just look at playing in the NWSL for one team and not do the two seasons altogether. Maybe that becomes an option, albeit, you know, in a different country. Yeah, so that's Chloe's move. Like I said, we'll keep an eye on it as the actual NWSL and Challenge Cup and whatnot gets underway. So to kind of wrap up FAWSL chat, we had, as we mentioned, Chelsea get up uh, for nil over Tottenham. We had Man City beating West Ham by the same scoreline for nil and Man United beating Everton 2-0. So it was all pretty uh, as you were, as you expected. Uh, Arsenal and Aston Villa got cancelled because of a waterlogged pitch. And uh, we had some questions about Arsenal and uh, how they're going to approach their next couple of games. They've got Man City on the 8th of Feb and then Chelsea on the 11th of Feb. And then, yeah, yeah, those two in, in quick succession. Yikes. And they've only played once in the last seven weeks, which uh, Tim from the Ask blog tweeted, uh, I think, over the weekend. So it's it's a, it's already a tough string of games, but to do it with almost like no game time under your belt is a, another daunting task. But um, I think we need to talk a little bit about Aston Villa and a bizarre thing that happened with their manager. So please explain what happened with Aston Villa's management. Yeah, so Aston Villa has been coached by a really talented young manager named Gemma Davies who got them promoted from the championship last season. Um, She's 27, 28 years old, a really promising prospect in English coaching. But obviously Aston Villa have not been performing particularly well um, in the sort of the first half of the season. Um, their new sporting director, Enia Luco, you know, England legend, um, has come in and seems to have been part of a decision to not replace Gemma Davies but bring in a more experienced manager to mentor her. So Aston Villa announced on the 25th of January that Marcus Bigno, not sure if that's how he pronounced his last name, B-I-G-N-O-T, has been uh, hired as an interim manager for Aston Villa. But Gemma Davies is still there. She hasn't been fired. She's still around. So a lot of people, including a lot of journalists, were like, what? Like this has, I don't think this has ever happened before. Um, there was one person who asked the question to the Aston Villa uh, Twitter page and Annie Luco responded, and this is the only public comment that she's made about the entire thing. And the question was about, um, like, what is his role now? What is he responsible for? And Aluko responded saying, the buck now stops with Marcus Bigno. 
who will lead on team selection, tactical selection, in-game, touchline decisions, and training with assistance and mentoring of the technical team. Thanks for your support! Exclamation point. Which to me sounds like they've just brought in a new manager. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm not really sure how to feel about it. I, I, if I was Gemma Davis, I would feel perhaps a little patronised that the, the club felt the need to bring in, you know, more experienced man to help show me the ropes because I'm not able to do it myself sort of vibe. Like I'm not super comfortable with that, but it would be, you know, if she requested help, if she requested this kind of thing of Aluko of the rest of the club and they followed that request, then that, that would be a completely different story. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting. This league is, this league is interesting when it comes to, to coaching uh, decisions in the last couple of weeks. Um, So yeah, I'm interested to see how it all unfolds. Sam, is it like if it walks like a demotion, talks like a demotion, looks like a demotion, it's hard to see it being anything but, as you said, yeah. and if she had asked for help, wouldn't that come out in like a press release? Like wouldn't you go, following consultation with, decided this Indeed. was the best course of action rather than this sort of just sneaking it out there, um, which is what I think sort of raised everyone's suspicions and sort of also just confused people. But you know, good to see he's got off to a great start leading Aston Villa to a 4-0 loss to Chelsea. <laughs> like, I'm not sure she needed much help to do that. Also that, so listening to what you were saying about what um, Aluko said regarding his role, it sort of sounds like, like Davies just gets to like set up the drills at training or something. Like what is she actually, what are her responsibilities? What? Very strange. I don't like it, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? So that is FAWSL chat. We'll move over to W League chat. So in uh, I described uh, the match of the round for for mine as eyes emoji, and I think it delivered. It was Brisbane three, City two. Uh, Brisbane and City are the only two teams that have played six games, so they are properly, genuinely at the halfway points of their season. So I reckon it's worth a little bit of dissection. We'll start with City. Angela, what have you made of their first half of the season? I haven't been overly surprised. They've been inconsistent they've shown yeah glimpses of really wonderful football and they've got some fantastic players that are really um I think proving themselves one that comes to mind is Chidiak um and I really enjoyed watching her um but just lacking a little bit of I guess grit to see those games out as this um game on the weekend proved um, like they did so well to get back to equalise and then I guess, yeah, sort of fluffed it. Similar to what happened in the derby a couple of weeks ago, but they were on the receiving end of the fluff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe they're lacking – it's just a bit meh, across the board, isn't it? But um, definitely improved defensively, I think, but, yeah, still lacking sort of a clinical goal scorer or a set person up the top but you know what I mean like they're lacking that person and I think sort of Kira's growing into it but she's been doing so much work across the rest of the field that maybe they just need to focus on that um basically too long didn't read um City are performing sort of exactly how I thought that they would but I would be 
totally unsurprised if they clawed it back to get into the top four. Um, but yeah, they need a, a striker or they've got the pace down the wings, um, but just lacking that person up top to really put them away. I thought Noor Ekhoff was such a brilliant inclusion, um, exactly what they needed, uh, what they've been missing um, since Ivy Lewick and Yukari King are left. Just that grit. Um, she seems to really get stuck in. Um, just a classic sort of defensive holding midfielder and screen the back four. I think the move to a back four has been really solid. Um, they start, they looked to start that game with a bit of a back five, but then solidified it more. Um, I, I think the team, once I was saying this in the media box, the team actually looked pretty solid. Like, whereas at the start of the season, you looked at it and you're like, oh my God, how's this team going to compete? Whereas the lineup that they actually put out there looked far more competitive. And to be honest, they could easily have won that game. Uh, Tyler Jovlanich puts one over the bar um, and then Brisbane take it down the other end for the Mario Hecker goal. Like it was a real what could have been. I think the problem for them is it's probably all too little too late. Like it's four points from six games. It's just going to be so difficult. Um, Rado Vidicic post-match basically said, well, you know, we'll try and try and try, and but it's going to be very hard. Um, I think that is the big question. Like they've got most of the pieces together. And I think having the midfield change up means Chidiak can play more um, creatively and uh, Kira can be more used as more of that pure forward. Um, But I just wonder whether it's all sort of come together a little bit too late. TJ Vladic had one of the best games that I think I've ever seen her play for Melbourne City. I thought she was fantastic. She was one of Melbourne City's stand-up players outside of Tegan Micah, who, again, had an absolute ripper. Um, she is increasingly, game after game, looking to me like she should be the Matildas number two, not the Matildas number three. If she continues on this road, I you know there is going to be some serious competition in the Matildas ranks for, for some starting spots come big competitions, which is great, which is exactly what players like Lydia Williams and Mackenzie Arnold have needed. Um, but, yeah, TJ Vladich was was fantastic. She was really, um, really energetic. She has obviously developed a motor to, to sort of do the job that is required of her now, and obviously being pushed up a little bit higher to be a bit more of a traditional winger um, helped in that regard, and she was able to show the kind of attacking flair that I think she has displayed quite a bit in the Victorian NPL, uh, which was really great. Um, but yeah, same. You know, I, I can only echo what you what you've both said in the sense that uh, City. Uh, you know, Kira is a fantastic player. She had a number of really good chances um, against Brisbane, but she's not a number nine. She's not a recognised striker. I was sort of surprised that Harriet Withers was on the bench because I feel like she is the most naturally gifted centre forward, forward attacking player that they've got. And when she came on, she made an almost immediate impact as well. She's really dynamic, really um, difficult to mark. Um, and she creates stuff. Almost every time she's on the ball, she, she does things. And that sort of feels like what City have needed for a while. It's, I think, what they needed against Brisbane as well. Um, but, yeah, it'll be – I mean, they have definitely improved over the first six games that they've played. Alex Chidiak just looks to be getting better and better with game time. Um, I thought she was super impressive again. I know she, she scored. I know it was a deflected one, but she just gets in the right positions. She works super hard. Um, and talking to her post-match, um, she 
just seems wrapped to be back out there again, isn't even thinking beyond this W League season in terms of her future, which I actually really like. Um, she just wants to be on the park, getting as many minutes as she can. And she's really showing her quality. And we know she's been in a great training environment in Madrid, but she barely played and she had the injuries. And you just go, geez, how much could this player have developed if she'd been playing week in, week out over the past two years instead of having the run she's had? Um, Fortunately, she has the attitude to dig in and, you know, really go hard and try and pick up the pace again. Um, I think that's really exciting. And Sam, yeah, I think you're spot on with Micah. She's just so much fun to watch. Like, as a young goalkeeper coming through, this is, you just go, this kid, like, you give her a few years and you go, this number one jersey for the Matildas should be yours. Like, not right now, obviously, but you look at her and you go, this has to be an heir apparent. She's young, she's enthusiastic, great attitude, and she's just getting it done. She was getting it done in Norway before she hurt herself. Um, she got it done in a top US um, college soccer program. This is a kid who can seriously play, and it's super exciting, and I hope she does kick on. Um, but, yeah, I guess on the flip side, Brisbane would be wrapped to have, I guess, strung together two actual wins in a row. Um, we got shown up with our Brisbane draw jokes and our comments about when would things start to really matter. But I think we've seen just how dangerous they can be, um, especially when all their Matildas get really involved. And and Mario Heck has just been a bit of a revelation too. I'm glad you mentioned Mario Hecker because I think it's worth a little bit of a discussion about some of these MPLW players that we flagged in our preview episode but then who have actually gone on and done the thing and are really starting to hit their strap. There's a few others um, throughout the competition that have really impressed all of us. So I don't know if you all want to pick one and discuss your favourite MPLW player that's uh, tickled your fancy. Sam, who, who have you liked the look of from the MPLW? Yeah, I mean, Hecker was mine. Hecker, when I was writing previews and when I was looking across all the different um, MPLW players who had been um, snapped up by clubs, Hecker was the one that stood out to me. And her first sort of game or two, I was I was sort of like, yeah, maybe she's not going to do it. But she has just absolutely banged. And, you know, she doesn't – she's not just scoring goals. She is actually leading the league when it comes to chances created, when it comes to crosses, when it comes to a whole bunch of other things that – you would typically expect bigger names or more experienced W League players to to sort of have the um, have the the grip on, but she is just blitzing it for Brisbane, and she has been so important for them. I think not just in terms of the like the stats, but also the energy that she brings. You know, she is really committed to this team. You can tell, um, and she sort of she plays with the sort of body on the line um, kind of commitment that is really admirable and that I think is really inspiring. So when Brisbane, you know, sort of went through that, that those four draws, you know, seeing someone like that um, going in week in, week out, every single game, every single training session presumably as well, uh, and and performing in the way that she is, I think has, has helped pull them out m- mentally of that sort of lull. Um, so, yeah, so she, she has been sort of my pick. If we're picking like just MPLW debutantes, Hecker has been mine. Angela, who have you liked the look of? Uh, I've really been enjoying Kayla Morrison at Victory. Um, I think in our 
preview um, bonus episode, I expressed some stress around how victory would go defensively as they've obviously got like a lot of um, wonderful attackers that can do different things and, you know, score goals in different ways. But in terms of her performance in the back line, I've really, I think that she's really stepped up. Um, She's very, seems very level headed. Um, A couple of times victory can get, I think they can get a little bit panicky um, when they're under pressure and, you know, make some silly passes and seeing that across the board, but her, she doesn't really buy into that and her distribution I really enjoy, but also she just like throws everything on the line, which I think the first game was actually there when they played against Raw. There was like a really um, fantastic slide tackle that she did. She also was less successful the week after in the derby, the first derby, um, tackling Harriet Withers. That was like the only good opportunity they had. But the attitude is there and the commitment. And, yeah, I don't know what this back line would look without her or if victory, um, yeah, where victory would be. So really impressed by her and feel a lot less stressed now. Can't really comment on the game, the last game against Braw because I've blacked that out of my mind, but um, everything else I've really, really loved. Um, yeah, Angela, funny you mentioned Kayla Morrison because I thought she was involved in the funniest moment of that game, which was when uh, our favourite, the summer of Kote Rojas, um, is going for the ball and just grabs Morrison's shirt pulls her and then obviously momentum's just not worked her way because she's pulled Morrison back into herself and got absolutely bowled over um, and then has had to play up maybe uh, a bit of I've been hurt in the challenge to avoid the yellow card. Um, Morrison just gets up, brushes it off and is like, what even happened then? And meanwhile, Claudia Bunge is just next to her by the ref, just pulling at her shirt to show the ref that what exactly what's happened. Just great times, classic hits in the dub. Um, some real shitazzery and uh, just something you love to see. Um, but full credit to Kayla Morrison for being just totally unfazed by it. Harrow, who have you enjoyed from the MPLW? Well, I, I'll start with Catherine Zimmerman, Kayla Morrison's teammate at um, at Melbourne Victory, who I think a couple of you guys flagged for a potential golden boot contender. Heyman Watchers just ruined that for everyone, but she's been fantastic. Um, she can win free kicks. She can score bangers. She can score goals from everywhere. I think she's really grown into the W League. Um, and she scored the winner against Adelaide on Friday night, and it was a really well-worked goal the Angie Beard ball to the back post, Melina Rez keeps it in. And it's a really nice little flick header from Zimmerman to to beat the Adelaide goalkeeper and um, to seal all three points. I think she's just grown and grown and grown as she's gone along in the W League. I think Jeff Hopkins flagged it would take her a little bit of time to settle. He initially sort of played her out wide and they've looked to use her pace, but she's really made her mark as a goal scorer, which I think is super exciting. Um, and the other one is one we've mentioned, Harriet Withers, who – I think was most prolific in that derby where she scored the winner, but had a couple of other chances she should have buried. She just has this ripping speed. Um, she seems to make things happen every time she's on the ball. Um, really exciting, provided a point of difference. As I think you both said, uh, Sam and Marissa wondered why she didn't start that game um, the other day because when she came on, she provided 
that impact, I think, just really exciting. And she's that more mature player. I think she's 25. She was um, at college. And she's also, as of today, become a cult favourite for us because of her Twitter feed. Um, We'll do a little shout-out to her. Um, She's Withers underscore Harriet on Twitter. So Harriet Withers is one of these players that's gone away to college in the US. She was at Murray State, played obviously soccer over there, and she's come back and played in, I think, the Queensland NPL. But her Twitter feed is genuinely fantastic because most recently it's a lot of, you know, like Australian football, Matildas, Women's World Cup, yada, yada, reply to some friends. But you scroll back not very far down to 2018 and basically her entire feed is retweets of the Murray Mr. B account which I think is about getting free pizza. So every Friday she is retweeting a tweet along the lines of this, has a picture of pizza and it's from Murray Mr. B on Twitter and it says it's hashtag free pizza Friday. Who wants Mr. B's pizza? Hit retweet to win a free large one topping for Mr. B's. Must follow to win. It seems like every week, every Friday for months in 2018, which I think might have been her senior year, Harriet Withers... Just making sure she got on Twitter, retweeted the pizza joint, got in contention for free pizza. Um, Angela did a little bit of maths on this. Uh, Angela, just how many of these tweets have been dedicated to pizza? So she's tweeted 91 times um, and 29 of those have been retweets of Murray Mr. B pizza, which means that 32% approximately of her Twitter is pizza related. (laughs) I, for one, love it. <laughs> Incredible stuff. You've got to respect it. <laughs> Great quick maths by you, by the way, Angela. Um, but I love that. Just women's football, college soccer, and just this solid, like, based on this, I think Marissa found there was 12 of her tweets in a row were retweets of a pizza account, meaning, like, her only tweets for, like, three months were her weekly retweet to try and get a free pizza effort like genuinely extraordinary commitment to social media um i think we're gonna have to try and get her on at some point to just let us know if she ever won it um because just fantastic content um i love the idea of the uh the college pizza joint advertising on twitter as well and they clearly got some buy-in like one of these is 155 retweets college athletes what a target audience Probably wasn't good for Harriet Withers' odds, though. But, yes, we've gone off track, but Harriet Withers, our new cult hero. Yes, as we said, she was great for City on the weekend, but we'll move on to some of the other games from this weekend. As mentioned, Heyman Watch went into full gear. We're uh, edging ever closer to, I feel, the end of Heyman Watch because once she gets the record, like... What, what what are we doing then? So I feel like we're going to have to do a like a retrospective on Heyman Watch and there's going to be like mood music and like just we're going to go through the journey that was uh, Heyman Watch. But it was a great win by them and ditto Sydney FC with their win over Newcastle. So Sydney and Canberra are playing each other this upcoming Monday. It's said to be a really good game. They both haven't lost yet. So... 
what are we making of this game? How do we see this one playing out? Because Sydney have been in their little New South Wales conference. Canberra have had, you know, a bit more of a feel of the other teams. What are we expecting from this one? I am so excited. I'm so excited for so many reasons. And one of those reasons is Michelle Heyman versus Ellie Brush. That is going to be such a fun matchup because the two of them have played together. They've played together at at Canberra. They've played together at the Matildas. Like they know each other inside and out. The two of them have re-emerged onto the W League scene after spending a little bit of time doing other things elsewhere. And now both of them are back within Matilda's conversations too. Both of them have been absolutely key for both of their sides getting to where they are on the ladder at the moment. It's just going to be so much fun. I I think that this, this game is going to be probably a preview of the grand final. Um, I know that we have said that about, you know, Victory Brisbane, for example, um, but the, based on the way that the teams have been playing so far, I feel like Canberra and Sydney are probably the, the two most likely um, to, to get all the way to the end. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Canberra's defenders in particular deal with the pace of Courtney Vine, um, how they deal with a potentially red-hot Remy Seamson. Um, and I'm, I'm really also looking for, I mean, I'm looking forward to the whole thing. Like their midfield battle is going to be great. The two goalkeepers are going to have a really big sort of task on their hands. It might be like an unstoppable force versus an immovable object type of scenario. And we get a nil all draw and there's been 10,000 attempts at goal, but none have actually gone in. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a cracker. The only shit thing is that it's on a Monday at like 4.30. It'll be a great game. It's just that, that bit pisses me off. I think the really excellent thing about Sydney and Canberra as well, um, they are two of the, I guess all the teams are doing it at the moment, but two of the standout teams um, for youth, like the the kids getting it done and that's going to be really exciting, especially Sydney's forward line. Um, Ibini, Seamson, Vine, I could go on, fantastic. And, yeah, pairing up against the likes of Jessica Nash as well. Um that should be really exciting, the fact that it's not just youth development but developing these, like, fantastic teams. So, yeah, very keen for the matchup as well, Sam. Um, will you be attending the game? Yes, I'll definitely be attending the game. It's part of double header with the, the A-League side, which sort of explains why it's on at 4.30 uh, on a Monday afternoon, which is, again, annoying, especially in light of what Ellie Brush said uh, in our – sort of fabulous chat with her about double headers and how players feel about them. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Again, like you said, Angela, the, the the battle of the youngsters I think is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to see how, how Grace Ma um, sort of wrangles that midfield, particularly a midfield featuring someone like Teresa Polias. I think that's going to be really fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, should, it should be a cracker and hopefully um, it's – Hopefully it lives up to the reputation that we're building for it now because <laughs> if it absolutely fizzles, please don't blame us, please. I'm so sorry. Not to whinge, but it still doesn't explain why you're putting a game like during working hours on a work day. Like I know I'm trying to be like lenient with them because like logistical nightmare, COVID, border closures, everything, blah, 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 but it's still stupid. Don't do that. Um, it's also not even like it's not even a television thing either like usually when we see W League games put on earlier times it's because there are television blocks that have been reserved to them so Sunday afternoons at four for example that's the reason why those games are on at four o'clock is because that's the ABC slot and so they have to be played then but 
this game isn't being played on ABC. It's on a Monday. There's no need for it to be at 4.30 in the afternoon. You can play it on Tuesday night. You know, you can do you can do whatever. There, you have so much freedom, guys. You can, you can do so many things here. But, yeah, I mean, clubs seem to be pretty insistent on this whole one-club mentality and that sort of um, – that that requires, I guess, the the logistics of a, a double header to sort of prove that they give a shit. But I don't know. I'm not sold. Surely, there's other ways to do the like one club thing as well. Like if you had them on different nights, then each team could go down and support the other and actually engage with their team. Does that make sense? Like totally. Yeah, and that's actually funny enough. Like that's what we saw on the weekend we at at Cromer Park when City played Newcastle. There were there was a group of uh, A League Sydney FC fans who came to the game. They made a banner for Teresa Polias, which was awesome. It said Polias, Our Highness, to celebrate uh, her reaching 150 games and just being an overall legend. They stood at the back of one of the nets. They were at a different end to the um, dedicated Sydney FC women's fan group, and they were great. They were loud. They had chants and. Like that's, that is being one club, you know, that's, that's giving your fans the opportunity to go to both games and, and engage in the community in a different way. Um, I feel like that's probably the way forward, but I don't know, clubs, they do their own thing. Yeah, obviously looking forward, we're recording as per usual on a Monday night. Um, We know that there's been the WA lockdown, which has led to border restrictions. So as a result, what we're expecting is that Perth Glory won't come to Melbourne for their game against Melbourne City on Thursday and the short turnaround to play Melbourne Victory on Sunday. Um, so that's obviously going to involve a bit of a rejig. Um, it looks like those games aren't going to go ahead. So I think we can expect another W League fixture rejig. Um, these teams have, I guess, gotten pretty used to things happening on the fly now. And obviously the complicating factor for W League teams versus the A League teams when they deal with the same things is um, the semi-professional nature of the sport for a lot of these athletes. So I think they have to really be quite cautious with the way they move fixtures around. It's a lot harder to, say, pull teams down to Melbourne for a Thursday night game if, if players are working during the week and whatnot. So, yeah, we'll just keep an eye out and uh, I'm sure we'll be updating on the pod social media when those changes happen. Let's move right along. Let's get into the boot. You'll never guess what we're booting this week. Uh, Harrow, take it away. Yes, uh, Sam may have a little break from booting Fox this week as a treat. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Our poor Sam. She she thought she was done um, and... She will actually be because I'll I'll take responsibility for running you through the latest dramas that we've had with the W League broadcast. So I'll set the scene first. Imagine you're at the pub, dub at the pub as you were. You you sat down, you've got your beer or your water or whatever you like to drink with some mates or by yourself, if you know, up to you really. Um, living your best life, getting ready to watch some dub. Watching Melbourne Victory v Adelaide is pretty entertaining. Um, great to see some Victory fans at the ground. You're just, you know, just chilling. And then in the 39th minute, you're looking, oh, maybe there'll be a, maybe someone will score soon. It's still nil all. Maybe there'll be something that changes it up. And then the screen flashes 
to a man in a room, a random man. Who is this man? He has headphones on. There's a tuba or something similar in the background. Is he a producer? Is he some sort of YouTube streamer? Who is this man? Why is he on our screens? What is going along? What is going on? Where is my W League? I'm a simple creature. I just want to go to the pub and watch my W League. I do not need random men appearing on my TV at any time of day, but least of all when I want to watch the W League. Anyway, this guy's on screen and he's just got no idea that he's on screen for like, oh, what, a good minute, minute and a half, and then the screen flashes to blue and then it flashes to that now, unfortunately, all too familiar Fox apologising for issues with the broadcast transmission um, screen and once again you go, oh, great, we're going to miss some W League because things haven't worked out with the broadcast. Um, yeah, and... Obviously, understandably, everyone's kicked off about it on Twitter because, of course, you would. You, I think the first thing that's happened with any of these issues now is the first thing you do is you check Twitter and you go, "This can't like, this can't be happening." Like, is it just me? Like, have have you know the the local pub that I'm watching at just changed channels or what's happened? No, no, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's posting screenshots. There is some bloke with a tuber in the background. Like, just watching his screens, doing his thing, um, instead of the W League. And um, Sam did a brilliant job of booting the issues with Fox's broadcast last week. And I don't really need to, I think, run over the same ground because she summarised it brilliantly. I think we've had a couple of really good discussions on how it just simply isn't good enough. Um, this is our premier women's sport competition. As Sam mentioned in her boot last week, we're two and a bit years away from Women's World Cup. This is the stream that goes out to the world. This is how we're meant to be advertising our game. Beyond anything, it's just how we should be able to watch um, broadcasted sport. I don't think it's too much to ask for for the game to be broadcasted. Um, it's just very disappointing. Um, and I'll go on a different tack to what Sam did last week because – while we had this broadcast that was having plenty of issues and wasn't one of the top tier broadcasts either for the W League, you could look over at the other screen in the pub where the Western Bulldogs were playing St Kilda in the AFLW, um, which is a newer competition. They're only in their fifth season, but it had the works. Um, Had, you know, commentators, the multiple cameras, the analysts, the proper sideline reporter, halftime, you've got a package with Maddie Prasparkas, the reigning BNF winner, you've got all sorts of analysis, like just done right. It was just done so well. And that's not to take away from the AFLW, which um, I love and support and um, I know Marissa is also a, a big fan of the AFLW, but it just underlined a bit of the haves and the have-nots and where the priorities are placed and where they're not. Um, and I found it really sad because, obviously, full disclosure, I used to work for Fox Sports and I was involved in these broadcasts. And, um, like, obviously, Murray Shaw was the um, head, the executive producer of football at that time and um, he and his team did a fantastic job with the games that were broadcast. Thursday Night Football was a real feature and we know how well it can be done and how awesome it is when, I guess, these games are broadcast really well and the work's put in and... You know, you get the bells and whistles. And I think that's something that we get to see with the AFLW, a relatively new competition. And, yes, I know that 
um, AFL and well, Australian rules football is huge and the ratings are huge. But I think it's just it it just made it even more stark the production quality that we saw in those W League games that we've seen over the past what three weeks. To have it happen once wasn't acceptable. To have it happen this many times and it become effectively a regular occurrence that you're just almost dreading, if not just hoping that it doesn't happen again, is just really disheartening. Especially as Sam said last week, when we're so close to the exhibition that is the Women's World Cup. Um, yeah, it's uh, the most frustrating thing for me is we know it can be done better. It has been done better, and when it's done better, it really showcases what a great sport we have, what a fun league we have, what brilliant personalities and characters and athletes we have in this league, and to have it undermined the way it has been over the last three weeks is so disappointing and. Um, that's on a general level in terms of the quality that we've seen and the sort of memeable big talking point incidents are just like a really, 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 really shit cherry on top of it all. Like, because they're the ones that attract the attention and, yeah, it's it's just frustrating. That's That's all I can really say. It's upsetting and I feel for the athletes because that's the only way they get to watch things back. Um. And it's great that we get all the games broadcast, but they have to actually be broadcast. We have to be able to see the games. They have to be done at a good level and we have to be able to watch the whole game. Like There's minutes and minutes of footage over these last few weeks that we're not getting back. And to be honest, it's just fortunate that there hasn't been something massive like a hat-trick or a brilliant goal or whatever that we've missed. It's, yeah, I can't really say much more other than that it's, it's not good enough. Womp, womp, womp. I know I said I'd stay silent for this boot, but I want to bounce off what you were talking about, Harrah, and the comparison you were making between football and AFL. The reason that AFL, one of the reasons why AFL and now AFLW is so huge is because there has been long-term commitment from broadcasters, from media, from everybody involved in that part of the game for over a decade, like the same probably longer length of time than what the A-League has had their relationship with Fox Sports, there has been ongoing commitment by broadcasters and by media to treat the AFL and the AFLW now like the professional serious competitions that they are. That is part of the reason why so many more people are getting involved in the AFLW, so many more members are signing up, so many more bums on seats, so many more people watching because they are doing the groundwork that is then rippling across the rest of the community. But when it comes to the W League, it feels like they're doing the opposite. They're tearing up those foundations and then hoping that people still watch, hoping that that audience continues to grow when they're not actually giving them something to to watch. So, yeah, that, that's sort of all I wanted to say. Like when, when we talk about this sort of stuff, I think it's important to keep it within the broader context of how sport works in an ecosystem and the various actors and influences that contribute to the the kinds of statistics that we often use to to measure sports success, things like membership numbers, audiences on television, all, all that, you know, digital click, whatever. When we, we, we can't talk about those things in isolation, we need to talk about how they came to be what they are and the various people who are involved in getting it there. I think the other frustrating thing is so often um, the response will be, well, oh, but you're getting all the games broadcast. And Fox were 
very happy to pump up the fact that they were taking on more games. And I know in the the APL's comment on this, they said that Fox taking on more games. And I'm sure the response from some people will be that, oh, you should be grateful to have the games broadcast. No, we shouldn't be. Like, we shouldn't just be grateful to be getting these broadcasts, especially when we're not even getting them. Like, that's the thing. These games are cutting out. The broadcasts haven't been up to scratch. Like, oh, if you were getting, um, you know, games that are good quality broadcast every week, then, you know, I think when it comes to things like commentary and this and that, there's things that are subjective in terms of their their value and, sorry, in terms of there's things that are subjective in terms of what people like and don't like and that sort of things. But I think broadcast quality should be a non-negotiable. should be able to see the whole game should be able to see from multiple angles. Like, I think some of these things, it's it's non-negotiables and the game really needs them to be better. Um, and the players deserve it, the fans deserve it. Because um, at the end of the day, if, you, if your local NPL comp or your local footy comp or whatever can deliver, you know, better streams than what we've seen these past few weeks for a national uh, competition that wants to be in the top five in the world. Let's not forget that. They've made that very clear. Um, it's something that James Johnson said in the past, I want the WA to be a top five competition. Then we can't have these things happening. That's that's it at the end of the day. I just hope this week we can just watch some fucking W League and not have to talk about this next week. It, just want to, as I said at the start of this, go to the pub or be at home or wherever with my friends watching the W League, having a good time and talking about the game and talking about these amazing athletes and so many good things there are about this league and these players and this sport rather than, I don't know, the things that have marred it over the past three to four weeks. Also, like who it, – it feels like from a fan perspective you feel a bit hopeless because like who do you tell to – like? who tells Fox to get fucked with this and tell them to improve? Does that make sense? Like who has the leverage in this situation to demand better? Because I don't know, like, I don't know who does. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. It feels like you're just like pleading to be treated with, with the respect to get the bare minimum. I said it when the, awake fiasco happened that it was like we had reached a new minimum standard where all kits should be available in all sizes and I think the same kind of concept applies here it was 2018-19 all games were broadcast there was a new minimum standard for how the W League should be broadcast in this country and it really feels like a regression which is bullshit to be honest like it should not be that way at all and to bounce off something Harrow said as well I was so, like, I was laughing at the pub because it was funny, like, memes, hilarity, we're doing this again, ha, ha, ha. But then I got home and I was just kind of quietly seething, like, this has happened again. I can't believe this has happened again. And I just kind of carried this rage around with me for, like, most of the weekend until I thought Michelle Heyman had scored her hat-trick. And I was literally jumping around my kitchen. I was so hyped up. I was like, I'm not even a Canberra fan, but I'm literally, like, so excited about this and it dawned on me that I was like this is the feeling I want to have while watching W League I want to be absolutely fucking stoked 
at what's happening on the field. I want to be, you know, excited and making memes about Michelle Heyman scoring 69 goals. Nice. Like, that's what I want. And it was just all of a sudden that stark contrast of, like, how angry I was on Friday compared to how elated I was on Sunday. It was just, it blew my tiny mind, to be honest. So, yeah, don't want to boot Fox again because uh sick of it. Anyway, I think we need to... um lighten the mood up in here let's get into a bumper dose of how good sam do you want to kick us off with the how good i will kick us off with the how good um back to nwsl chat one of the great things about the growth of the nwsl is that there are so many more um investors in a lot of the clubs uh that are popping up angel city fc is obviously the sort of the the leader of the pack in that regard with all of their amazing celebs backing it but this week we saw Tennis's Naomi Osaka become a uh, part owner of the North Carolina Courage, which is just awesome. Like the, this is the cool thing. I tweeted about this as well. This is the cool thing about being in women's sport, right? And it's one of the things that I think is is the most different from men's is that women athletes support other women athletes regardless of the code that they're in, regardless of the nation that they play for, regardless of any of that sort of stuff because there is, I think, this overarching feeling in women's sport that we are part of some sort of movement, that we are part of some sort of collective, some sort of community that surpasses all of these different kinds of um, barriers and borders that have marked men's sport for such a long time and this is the perfect example of that sort of thing happening of of one women's league inspiring an athlete from a a completely different sport so and to have the publicity of someone like Naomi Osaka coming to the NWSL I think is extraordinary it's not just the money that she's going to be pumping into the club but it's the attention that she brings with her it's potentially an entirely new market of people now wanting to pay attention to North Carolina and to the NWSL because of her involvement. So that it just I think it, it shows the power of the NWSL. It shows the power of women's sport. And I think it's something that the W League, when it thinks about what it wants to be in future, the NWSL I think is the perfect model. Um, the way that they've gone about their business over the last year particularly Angel City, bringing in these kinds of celebrities, these kinds of personalities, these big names, these big investors on board, people from outside sport as well, people, you know, people like entrepreneurs. I I could pump up Angel City forever, but that's the sort of initiative, the sort of outside-the-box thinking that I think the W League should should really start um, leaning towards. So, yeah, so Naomi Osaka gets, uh, gets my how good this week. Just to bounce off it, Sam, I love the way she um, announced it. She has arrived in Australia for her quarantine and was clearly on the training court um, when she's made the announcement, has ripped out the NC jersey with a soccer 97 on the back and taken a bunch of photos of her with a soccer ball and she's got an NC hat on as well. And the way that she said it on social media as well, I think just really tied into what you said about how these women lift each other up um she said she was currently reflecting on how the women who have invested in me growing up made me who I am today I actually don't know where I'll be without them I feel that throughout my career I've always received so much love from my fellow female athletes that's why I'm proud to share that I'm now an an owner of the NC Courage 
I'll keep continuing to pay the love I have received for it and I'm excited to continue the legacy of women empowerment. So she just gets it. I loved it. Like she's in her workplace where she does her training in another team's kit. Um, like it was just all so awesome. Like the way she's done it, the actual move itself and I guess the possibilities that it can now unfold going forward, like you said, in the US or maybe in Australia or wherever, is just so exciting. Um, I loved it. I was just as excited as you by that. Um, And, yeah, well said. How good. Massively. How good. Angela, and how good from you? Yes, Marissa. So I believe you have noted this in the past um, on on the toots, but something that the W League – still seems to be missing is like themed rounds um so I'm talking like pride round indigenous round which the AFLW going back they've done really well in that area um and we're still not quite there but I did see this the other day I wanted to buy a pair of like the Cambria United shorts because I just think they're they're real cool and they look comfy um don't have any shorts on their website but they do have their 2021 indigenous tea um so just for a bit of background, I'll read the little blurb that's on Cambria United's site. Um, so this premium tea features the commissioned artwork United Always by Canberra-based Indigenous artist Monica Dickerson. The artwork represents all of the valuable elements of the Canberra United community meeting on Ngunnawal country, which she upcycles into her contemporary Aboriginal artworks. Um and yep, Monica is a proud Wardandi Nunga Yamachi and Bibulmun woman from Perth, Western Australia. Highly recommend reading like all of the fine print because it goes into the different um yeah, layers and meanings behind the t shirt. But yeah, um very cool and really love the design as well. Definitely caught my eye. And I haven't actually seen anything on Twitter or anything promoting it. Um, so maybe Cambria United are just relying on their avid fans to go forth and buy all the things. They've got a great selection on their website. But yeah, so that's the background on their 2021 Indigenous tea. I think it's just like a great design and something to also throw my support around and to see those connections is really awesome. Um, I'd like to see that more across the board. And also, friend of the pod, Chloe, (laughs) noted as well, um, it's with Pride Round, jumping topics a little bit, clubs would make so much money if they, like, did Pride-themed jerseys or, like, kits like the um, AFLW does. We would just be throwing money at them. So it's definitely an area um, that I'd like to see more of and to see the recognition of the communities that make up soccer as well, um, more f- like more formalised, I guess. And, yeah, more recognition of those communities. But, yeah, I'll definitely be buying one of these Cambria United T-shirts. I think they're awesome and we'll give that a share. Um, but, yes, more players, good stuff. How good. And you're totally right, Angela, like particularly the W League because the W League, you know, all women's leagues in Australia are the same, but the W League in particular I think has been quite a leader when it comes to providing a space for athletes to be who they are. We have so many out athletes in the W League. We have so many out fans in the W League. 
this is this is an integral part of this community. It's a space that has become so important for so many people to discover who they are, to to meet like-minded people, to meet their partners. You know, the, for something like a pride round that acknowledges that, particularly in the W League, they're obviously statistically there are very very likely some gay players in the A League as well. And wouldn't it just be wonderful for them to be able to see that the leagues, the clubs, Football Australia care about that care about acknowledging them and making them feel welcome and making them feel seen I think that that's really important and this is somewhere where they should use the W League as the leaders and then the A League as the followers because I think that's one of the reasons why we don't have these things is um I guess a lot of thing decisions around things like merch kits that sort of thing are made based on um things that happen with the A-League and then the W-League follows, which is why Canberra have obviously been such a leader with um, this tea that you mentioned before, Angela, because they just make the decisions off their own bat. Um, I know in the AFLW this coming week they, they've got the Pride round and Carlton have got a specially designed Pride jersey and you just go, oh, just be so good for the W-League to do that because they've been doing it for so much longer and been doing it so well. And, you know, you mentioned last week um, – Grace Gill and Chantel Jones is one example of, you know, people who met in the W League and how great exactly. it is, how embraced exactly. they are and um, how comfortable they're clearly able to feel in, in the environment. And there's so many stories like that in, in this league and for fans as well and administrators and all sorts. Like it's a wonderful league for that sort of thing. So I'd, I'd love to see the, um, yeah, the Leagues Club really take some initiative and, yeah, let the women lead the way, let the WA lead the way um, because, as you said, Sam, it's been such a brilliant welcoming space for so long. Why not, yeah, actually put it out there, let everyone know about how good it is. And I couldn't find any information when I just Googled it, but I think Cambria United actually did do a pride round or something like that um, a few years ago as well and yeah as you said Anna they've always been leaders in that space because they've had the freedom to like do their own thing and create their own culture which has been fantastic um, the only reason I know that is because Dale um, friend of the pod Dale tweeted um, a collection of like the different jerseys and um, initiatives that have been done in other sports um, as well and including Canberra wearing rainbow socks so but, yeah, to see that like a regular thing and to have that embedded within the league would be um, real nice. So I don't know who can make it happen, but please do. We'd love it and we'd throw so much money <laughs> at the clubs if they were to do it. Absolutely make it happen. Uh, how, how good from you? Yeah, this one's a belter, I reckon. Um, some of you might remember Dagny Brynjars Dottir, who played for Portland Thorns, was part of their championship team in 2017, the Icelandic international. Um, she, at one point, uh, took a break from football, ha- had a baby, um, came back to Portland and then went home to Iceland and played there for a bit. Um, she actually announced this week that she signed for West Ham in the FAWSL, which is great for them. They need to, um, I guess, really stock up on some on some quality players, and she's certainly that. But the best thing is her Instagram post announcing it because she was a little West Ham nuffy and she's got the photos to prove it. Um, so this is, yeah, genuinely fantastic stuff. When you go have a look, we'll obviously link to it. Um, Dagny Brynjars um, she's posted like her announcement photo and then one of her in a West Ham jacket, West Ham shirt, 
And she even has like a West Ham birthday cake from when she was a kid. So clearly we absolutely loved it as a kid, just in the kit all the time and obviously followed the men's team and now gets to play for the women's team. Um, That sort of thing is always, always a how good in my books. Absolutely how good. Uh, A how good from me. Uh, This afternoon I was very excited uh, on Twitter and in the group chat because Larissa Crummer has signed for Brisbane Raw. She's back in the W League and if for some reason you don't know why this is a big deal, in January 2019 she had the most horrific leg break. It was likened to an injury that you would get in a motorcycle accident. It was absolutely awful. It was distressing to watch. It was, you just, you couldn't have broken a leg more. Um, And then of course, the poor thing, just anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. She ended up undergoing five different surgeries. She had complications. She had infections. She's got cuts and scars and all these kinds of things all over her leg. And it was just the most drawn out experience. I've described it in our rundown as the most torrid injury run ever to wheel out that kind of cliched phrase. So to see that she is now back and in a place where she can be playing W League football again, as a striker, may I also add, thank you to whoever like let that happen. It's just the best story. It's one of those just feel-good narratives that's, you know, come out of the league this year. So I could not be more stoked to see Larissa Crummer back in the league and I hope she has, like, the best second half of the season, gets to play finals with Brisbane, scores a bag of goals and just has the absolute best time because she absolutely deserves it after two years out of the game, which is insane to think about. So how bloody good. How good. I think I think we're done. Friends, thank you so much for, for tuning in and for listening to us. If you've subscribed already wherever you listen to your podcasts, thank you. If you haven't, go do it on your Apple, on your Spotify, on your Google Podcasts. We'll be dropping an episode every week right there for you to enjoy. Um, you can get in contact with us on social medias at the Fart Post Pod. We love having a chat with you, so feel free to get in touch. But um, until next week, see yous. Euphonium, you fucking what, mate? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going in. Like, you know. You know. <laughs>